everybody, this is the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, October 31st, 2019. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, wishing you all a happy Halloween. Hopefully you're having some fun, soaking up some candy. Everybody's allowed to eat candy today, right? That's the, that's the rule on Halloween. Well, I know I'm going to be having some, and hopefully you're going to be enjoying some as well. And we're going to talk about some Halloween candy in a little bit. These daily shows are posted Monday through Friday, so if you're a Penn State fan or if you want to encourage a Penn State fan to check out the show, they can subscribe. You can subscribe in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and whatever you use to listen to podcasts. And if you want to help support the show a little bit more, you can spend a minute of your free time and leave a rating, leave a review. We do appreciate the feedback, and it does help with the placement on those various podcasting apps. So you can help our show grow and reach out to some new potential listeners if you're enjoying what you're hearing. Hopefully that is the case. If you want to stay connected with the show in other ways, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and head it over to the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany. Give the page a like, share some of the post updates with your friends and family on your Facebook feed, and we'll have some fun moving forward as the Penn State season does continue on. Coming up in today's episode, in our first segment, I'm going to give you my top five Halloween candy of all time. It's my personal power ranking. I don't think there's any arguments about the order that I have. In the second segment, we will do our Big Ten weekend preview. It's kind of a light weekend for the Big Ten football, so it shouldn't take too long. And then in our final segment of today's episode, we'll dive out to some of the top 25 teams that are in action that you should be paying attention to as Penn State is off this week, getting ready for Minnesota next weekend. Of course, next week we'll get back into our regular schedule with the regular game preview content that we've been doing during our daily shows. With all that out of the way, go bob for some apples, go trick-or-treating, and fill up that candy bag, and come back and check out my power ranking of the top five Halloween candy of all time. Let's get this show started right now. Alright, with it being Halloween, I wanted to share my official power ranking of top Halloween candy of all time. And when I'm talking about Halloween candy, I'm talking about the candy that I would get when I was out in my neighborhood trick-or-treating when I was growing up. And these are the candies that when you get home at the end of the night, you divvy up your, your candy bag. You Maybe you're organizing all the candies into the good candy, the bad candy, the trash candy. Uh, the candy you're going to trade with your sister, the candy you're going to try and hide from your dad. And I think we all know that there were some houses that gave away better candy than others. Now, to me, I will tell you right away, the houses that gave away the little fruit dot drops, whatever they were in the little yellow boxes, I hated that house. I hated that house, but I always went there on, in hopes that maybe this is going to be the year that they actually have some good candy to give away. Of course, there's always going to be that one house on the block that has horrible candy selection and maybe they're just trying to get rid of candy that they bought in an assortment bag or whatever they're saving all the good stuff that, that comes in those assortment bags and they're giving away the trash candy that they don't want if that's the strategy that's actually a pretty good strategy that I, now that i'm thinking about it but when i'm talking about the candy i'm talking about the candy that we probably have available to us all year round but to me i feel like there are certain candies that i only had around halloween but I have to say, number one on my list, and this is indisputable, 
the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup is absolutely the number one candy of all time, and that makes it the number one Halloween candy. These were the ones where you would try to maybe go to that house a couple extra times if you potentially could, but we all know that was something that was pretty common. The little single pack of the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, you can't just have one though. You have to have two, maybe three, uh, okay, five or six, I don't know, but those were the ones that... You either collected up as many as you could, you stored them away so that nobody in your house would take them from you, or maybe you just kind of saved those for last. You got through all the other candy, and then you could binge through your peanut butter cup selection at the end of your candy haul. I don't know. I mean, to each his own, I say, but to me, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, it is still a not so guilty pleasure of mine because I'm not going to feel guilty about eating a peanut butter cup. I may feel guilty about having six or seven, but you know, that's another story. But I figure on Halloween, you got to have the peanut butter cup as the top of your list. That is the primo candy. And there's a reason why every holiday season now you get the peanut butter cup in mean, the Christmas tree. The peanut butter cup is the pumpkin, which is absolutely better. I'm convinced that there's something different about the peanut butter cup pumpkin compared to the traditional peanut butter cup. But hey, the peanut butter cup is all year round now. You got it at Easter. You got it at Halloween. Of course, you have it at Christmas. And you can just have it any time of the year because it is that great. Number two on my list would be the little fun size Snickers bars. Uh, the Snickers is something that um, yeah, I feel like I've had much more of Snickers around Halloween time. Although Snickers is a candy bar that I could always go to at any time. If peanut butter cups is not an option for whatever reason, I'm perfectly fine with the Snickers. Or if you want to mix it up a little bit, Snickers. There's just something about the peanuts and the and the chocolate and the, the way that that candy bar is put together. To me, it's probably one of the best candy bars. And I'm not including the peanut butter cup as a candy bar. I feel like the Snickers is the number one candy bar. It's number two on my list. The Kit Kat uh, fun size bars, those have to be on your top five list as far as I'm concerned. And if you tell my top chocolate candies, or all, I'm sorry, my top Halloween candies are all going to be chocolate. Uh, because I don't have the sweet tooth that doesn't like the chocolate. You can go to the sugary things or the chocolate things or you know the sweet and sour things or the chocolate things. I'm going to go with chocolate and Kit Kat, uh, the little fun size Kit Kats. That's number three on my list. Number four is the candy bar that I only eat at Halloween time, or at least I used to only eat at Halloween time, and I don't think I've had a, this one since I was trick-or-treating, and that's the Three Musketeers. Honestly, tell me, do you know anybody who eats the Three Musketeers? Because I don't think that I do, but it was always one of the little fun-sized bars you're getting in your Halloween bag, and that's, again, that's because it comes in those little assortments with uh, maybe the Snickers and the Milky Way. By the way, Milky Way is totally overrated. Just getting that out there, out of the way right now. But I feel like the Three Musketeers is a bar, a candy bar that I would never buy individually on its own when I'm going through the checkout lane at the grocery store and I need a quick uh, little sugar fix or something like that. The Three Musketeers, I think, is always there, but I never see anybody eating that. But at Halloween, stock up, man. <laughs> I, I have, I'm a big fan of the Three Musketeers, but I only ever eat it at Halloween time. I don't know why that is. It just is. And number five on my personal power ranking of top five Halloween candy, it's M&M's. And I'm going to split it. You can go with the plain M&M's or you can go with the peanut M&M's. I don't care which way you go. I don't care if you uh, have a preference there. But to me, I'm throwing them all together in here just to cover all the bases because I think they're both great. I think I like the peanut M&M's slightly more than the plain M&M's, but you know, I figure that's another thing that you always get at Halloween when you're trick-or-treating, the little fun size bags. That's the problem, though, with the M&M's. 
The fun size bags are not nearly enough M&Ms. I need a handful of M&Ms, right? So I, I understand I'm probably eating more M&Ms than I probably should, but the little fun size bags, you get like six M&Ms in there. That's not enough. I need a couple of bags of M&Ms if I'm going to be eating some Halloween candy M&Ms, but it is a mainstay and the M&M is absolutely great. So to recap my list, moving from number five up to number one for the top Halloween candies, Number five, M&M's. You can take the milk chocolate or the peanut. Or if you want to throw in the peanut butter, that's fine too. We'll stay away from all the other varieties, but the M&M is certainly in your top five. Three Musketeers, it's the candy that you only eat at Halloween time. Number three, the Kit Kat. You can't go wrong with the Kit Kat. Number two, Snickers. And number one, the GOAT when it comes to Halloween candy, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. Let me know what your favorite Halloween candies are. You can hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnNittany and let us know what you like about those lists. What would you move up? What would you move down? What would you remove from the list? And it can't be the Reese's Peanut Butter Cup because you simply cannot remove that from the list. And you, I'm going to cement it in number one. But feel free to move around any of the other top four and let me know. So hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnNittany. That lets us know that you also uh, listened to this episode. And then we'll uh, have some fun discussing and arguing which candy deserves to be in or not. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to begin our Big Ten weekend preview. It's a very light schedule in the Big Ten schedule this week. Penn State's not the only team that's off, but we'll talk about some of the Big Ten games coming up this weekend in week 10 of the college football season. All right, every Thursday, we take a look at the upcoming weekend around the Big Ten and, of course, the top 25. But in this segment, we're going to focus on the Big Ten. And as I said a couple times already, it's a light weekend for Big Ten football. There's a lot of teams that are on a bye week this week, not just in the Big Ten, but elsewhere around the country. So it's kind of a light weekend on the college football schedule as a whole. And Penn State's not the only team in the Big Ten taking a bye week of this week. Of course, Minnesota is also going to be taking a bye week as both two teams both get ready to prepare to play each other next week in a big game. Ohio State is also off. Michigan State is off. Wisconsin and Iowa are both off. So it's a real down week for the Big Ten as a whole with some of the top teams in the conference taking the bye week. And again, this is a theme throughout the rest of the country as well, which seems like kind of poor planning on behalf of the college football playoff as far as I'm concerned. I understand they want to start putting in a month worth of anticipation and hype around the college football playoff. We're going to get our first rankings on Tuesday night, but it feels kind of uh, feels kind of flying under the radar because there aren't a whole lot of big games to look forward to this weekend to kind of get us excited for those playoff rankings. So, We'll see how this all plays out. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of changes because of so many teams being off. But here's what's going on in the Big Ten. And we're going to start right with the noon kickoff times, of course. And let's stay in the Big Ten East. Number 14, Michigan, heading on the road to take on Maryland. Of course, a big win last weekend for Michigan with the the victory against Notre Dame uh, coming off their loss at Penn State the week prior to that. So Michigan all of a sudden is starting to feel good. They're starting to get the offensive identity down, and maybe it's a little bit more what they had been used to as opposed to what was perceived to be the case going into the season. The offense is starting to get in a rhythm. They're starting to overpower some of their opponents, and they are certainly looking forward to overpowering their opponent this weekend, which is Maryland. Michigan's coming in as a 21-point favorite. Since the Maryland Terrapins have entered the Big Ten, they have struggled against the top teams such as Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and even Michigan State 
since they joined the conference, but they do have a victory against Michigan, and it did come in College Park. So is this a game where Maryland can stun Michigan? Honestly, I don't think that that's going to happen here. Michigan, again, is a three-touchdown favorite, and the way that Michigan has played the last two games, even that you know that loss against Penn State and defensively how they played against Iowa, I feel like this is a Michigan team that is ready to take care of business the rest of the way, set the stage for a, a really good regular season finale against Ohio State, maybe play spoiler there, but I feel like there's there's too much strength to this Michigan team to have a letdown performance on the road against a Maryland team that continues to, to struggle and have some issues with uh, staying healthy and all that stuff that's been going on with Maryland. So I really feel like Michigan goes on the road after their big win against Notre Dame. It is a classic situation for a letdown, but I don't think we're going to see it from Michigan. I think Michigan goes on the road and takes care of business against Maryland. I'm not saying they win this thing 49-0, or I don't even know if they'll actually cover the spread. However, I do think that they win this one comfortably, go home with a 7-2 record and 4-2 and in the Big Ten. And again, Michigan will start to feel a little bit more confident as they go in through the month of November. So I think Michigan wins big on the road against Maryland, while Maryland continues to struggle after a really fast start to the season. Things just continue to plummet for that program as they try to rebound and get something going there. Also at noon, you got Nebraska at Purdue. Nebraska is going to start getting into a little bit of a crunch just to make a bowl game if they slip up against Purdue. As I'm recording this, I still don't know if Rondell Moore is going to play for Purdue. That's been kind of the theme for the last how many weeks now for Purdue. But I feel like Nebraska going on the road uh, against Purdue, this is not a good spot for Nebraska. But I feel like, like as we talked about with Illinois last week, I feel like this is a game that Nebraska almost has to have if they are going to go bowling. Obviously, they still have a handful of games remaining. But going on the road and getting this one at Purdue makes getting to a bowl season a lot easier for Nebraska, or a lot more manageable, I should say. But this is a Purdue team that's going to... uh, be a little bit of a tough out because I don't expect them to roll over. Nebraska is only a three-point favorite here. So I think Purdue is certainly in the mix here to give Nebraska some trouble. So I feel like this is going to be another frustrating afternoon. If you're if you're a Nebraska fan, uh, you probably get a win at the end of the day. But it's not going to be pretty, I don't think. So I think Nebraska and Purdue are going to put on a pretty interesting game going back and forth. Jack Plummer, I believe, is still going to be the Purdue quarterback. I don't think there's any change to that plan there for the Boilermakers. So I kind of like Purdue to win this game, but it, it would not shock me if Nebraska gets out of there with the win, moving them to 5-4 and four, and evening their Big Ten record at 3-3. Three and three. All right, so 3.30 p.m. comes around, and Rutgers is on the road. They have not won a Big Ten game yet, although they did win last week against Liberty. But they're going on the road to Illinois. And I've been talking about Illinois for a couple weeks now where that upset against Wisconsin really changes the whole outlook for their potential end of the season where they are now realistically in position to play in a bowl game. And that's not something I predicted before the season started, but they are in a very good spot right now because not only do they get this Rutgers game at home, but they're also going to get to play uh, Northwestern. And Northwestern has been a real struggle fest this year too. So if you're Illinois, you got a chance to go 5-4. and four. When was the last time Illinois was 5-4? and four? When was the last time Illinois had a winning record in November? Maybe it's not as far back as I'm thinking it is, but it does feel like it has been quite some time since Illinois has been in that position in the month of November. And the, it's very fortunate scheduling 
that they're getting Rutgers this week because Rutgers is just a, a team that everybody in the Big Ten seems to be beating up on. And since they joined the conference, going on the road is just not an enjoyable experience for Rutgers. So I feel like this Rutgers team is really going to have a tough November ahead of them. Obviously, they still have to play Penn State. They still have to play Ohio State. Uh, and, of course, now they have to go on the road against Illinois, a team that beat Wisconsin, and now all of a sudden is realizing that there is a very good chance that they can go to a bowl game as long as they don't slip up. And I don't think that they do slip up. I think this Illinois team continues to take care of their schedule, and that puts them in a great spot with uh, just so many games to go. I think this Illinois team is going to be going to a bowl game and this win against Rutgers certainly puts him one giant step closer. Speaking of Northwestern, Northwestern is 1-6 overall, 0-5 in the Big Ten. And now they are heading on the road to play Indiana. Now this is a game that Penn State fans should be paying attention to. Because this will be Indiana's last game before they make their trip to Penn State. Indiana is going to be on a bye week next week before they come to State College. And this Indiana team just clinched their bowl eligibility last week against uh, Nebraska. They're 6-2 and two overall, 3-2 and two in the Big Ten. Not going to throw Indiana into the Big Ten East Championship picture just yet, but I do think that there is a possibility that if Indiana beats Northwestern, which they should, uh, there's, a, there's a chance that it could be into the top 25 when they come to Penn State. And, of course, that's looking a little bit better on the schedule. We'll see where the playoff rankings rate everything. But as long as Indiana wins this weekend, they're going to be 7-2. and two. They're going to be 4-2 and two in the Big Ten. And there's a, there's a possibility they could float somewhere between 20 and 25. And say what you will about a fringe top 25 team, but I feel like uh, another victory against a top 25 team could bode well for Penn State, assuming they take care of business against Minnesota next week. That is the ultimate disclaimer. But the more quality opponents you have on your schedule, the more impressive it looks at the end of the year, maybe things go your way. Now, a lot of ground to cover here, but I think this Indiana team is playing pretty well right now. And of course, they'll get a, a good matchup against a Northwestern team that's been beleaguered from the start of the season. So this is a, a game that Indiana should win. They are at home. They're almost a 12-point favorite in this game. So I do think that Indiana follows up their bowl-clinching game last week against Nebraska. They come home, take care of business against Northwestern, get a week to rest up, and then they think about playing spoiler a little bit when they come to Penn State. But we'll talk about Indiana in a couple weeks, but I think that this is a good opportunity if you're just sitting back and don't have anything else to watch at 7 p.m. Eastern on a Saturday night. Tune in to Fox Sports 1 and see what Indiana has to offer. And that's everything that's going on in the Big Ten. Just four games for, for eight teams in the conference in action this weekend. Four teams on the bye week. I'm sorry, six teams on the bye week this week. So uh, light schedule for the Big Ten. Coming up in our next segment, we'll take a look at some of the top 25 teams that are in action. Just a handful of games there to pay attention to. But we'll talk about that in our third and final segment of today's episode. This is the Locked On Nittany Alliance podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And make sure you follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Nittany. Tonight is Halloween, so you may be getting some trick-or-treaters coming by your place. And if you are, you're probably going to want something to watch on TV while you're waiting in between people coming to your house and begging for candy. Fortunately, there's a couple of good college football games you should uh, keep an eye on because you could be thoroughly entertained. First and foremost, we have number 12 Baylor in action tonight against West Virginia. Matt Rule and Baylor are undefeated, and Baylor picked a good week in the Big 12 to be off last week because, boy, did... Things not go well for ranked teams in the conference. 
Baylor is now the only undefeated team in the conference. That uh, puts them in a spot where they can control their destiny to play for a Big 12 championship. Obviously, there are some tough games ahead for them, including Oklahoma, and I think they still have to play Texas, too. So, Baylor's going to have some work to do, but tonight they get a home game against a West Virginia team that has been kind of up and down and probably a little bit more down than usual. And when they go on the road, I think they're going to be in for a battle because this Baylor team has been gaining some confidence. I think Matt Rule's doing something really good there with the Baylor Bears. I'm not throwing Baylor in the playoff conversation, or I don't even think they're going to beat Oklahoma once, let alone twice in the regular season and the Big 12 championship. But they are in a good spot right now after the events of last weekend's action around the Big 12. And I think Baylor takes care of business once again against West Virginia. They are a big favorite, a 17.5 point favorite as I'm recording this episode. I don't know if that's going to be changing any time. So check with your local lines before you you know make any decisions there. But I do think Baylor improves to 8-0 and that's going to put them in a real good spot for the rest of the month here in November. So... I think Baylor takes care of business tonight, Thursday night, and that is your first ranked team in action this weekend. But it's not the only one. Appalachian State is also in action tonight. If you're into that group of five race, Appalachian State is a team that is uh, gaining a lot of notoriety right now. They continue to rise, and they know that if they take care of their business, there's probably some teams in that group of five race that are going to start picking itself apart a little bit, and including one game this weekend that we're going to talk about in just a minute. But this Appalachian State team is uh, not continuing to or not losing any of its identity, not losing any of its momentum since a coaching change. Scott Satterfield, of course, left Appalachian State to take on the job at Louisville, where I think he's doing a pretty good job with the Cardinals, too. But Appalachian State is hosting a bitter rival, Georgia Southern. It's actually a really good rivalry game that uh, probably doesn't get a whole lot of respect. And that's probably because these two programs are still relatively new to the FBS scene. And not a whole ton of people are checking out the Sun Belt, to be honest. I know I am. And this game's going to be pretty fun. Georgia Southern, they would love nothing more than to upset Appalachian State and cost them a spot in the New Year's Six when all is said and done. App State, a big favorite, though. 15 and a half point line, as I'm looking at it right now, down in Boone, North Carolina. We'll see what the weather, if that holds up for them. But Appalachian State continues to roll. Uh, we saw Appalachian State on Penn State schedule last year. Remember how that game went? This Appalachian State program is in really good shape right now. And I think if you're looking for a team in the group of five race to, to keep an eye on, it's this Appalachian State team if you haven't been watching them already. So not a whole lot going on around the world of the top 25 this upcoming weekend. Again, a lot of teams are, like in the Big Ten, a lot of teams have their bye weeks. We know that Alabama and LSU are off as they're going to be squaring off for a number one versus number two game next week. Clemson is at home against uh, Wofford, so it's pretty much a bye week, but it's kind of like a scrimmage or a glorified practice for Clemson. So there are a couple games, though, that we should be keeping a real close eye on, especially with the playoff rankings about to be released in just a matter of days after these games. The big game on the schedule this weekend is probably North uh, number six Florida versus number eight Georgia. Of course, this game takes place in Jacksonville. Always a fun rivalry game. And I think this is a game that really could set the stage for who's going to win the SEC East. I think it always it's generally going to come down to Georgia and Florida more often than not. And that's going to be the case once again this year. Both teams have a loss already in conference play. They really cannot afford a second loss here, of course. And a head-to-head tiebreaker could be huge as this SEC East race is shaping up. And, of course, if you look at the rankings, at least as far as the AP poll is concerned, you got two teams in the top eight. And a big win here 
could do some justice for the selection committee who's going to put together their rankings next Tuesday. Not saying that Penn State fans need to be worried about either of these teams passing Penn State because Penn State has their own quality wins and their quality data points themselves. But we're talking about the top one loss team potentially right here in Florida and Georgia. Whoever comes out of this with a win is going to be in pretty good shape as that one loss team. Of course, there are going to be some other one loss teams that join this fold in the coming weeks. But uh, if you can be a one loss team and you can put together as solid a radar or as solid a resume as you possibly can, uh, who knows how that comes into play. So this is a really good opportunity for both Georgia and Florida. I like Georgia here. I think we're going to see one of the better performances we've seen out of Georgia this season. Let's look at the Pac-12 because this is a big weekend for the Pac-12. Remember, early in the season, a lot of people wrote off the Pac-12. And I've been saying you can't write off an entire conference from the college football playoff just weeks into the season. Week two, week three, week one, whatever it is. Big Ten fans know this. Ohio State fans know this. You cannot do it. It's just it's just ridiculous to write off an entire conference. Now, I'm not saying that Oregon or Utah are going to make the playoff. But there's a very good possibility that they could be playing in the Pac-12 championship each with one loss. And I think as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, that is as good a Pac-12 championship game matchup you can get and you can ask for given the way that this season started. Both Oregon and Utah have one loss this season. Utah is ranked number nine in the AP poll. Oregon is at number seven. And both teams are hitting the road for cross-division play uh, against some decent opponents. And this is a this is why this is a big weekend for the Pac-12 because you're going to get number nine Utah at Washington. Winning at Washington is hard to do. Oregon did it, but winning a game at Washington that is a big challenge for this Utah team who's going to be asked to play their their dominant defense and find a way to to win a game that could potentially turn into a little bit of a shootout. Now I think Washington can pull off the upset here although Washington has struggled this season but I think Washington at home is a much different animal here I think this Washington team is fully capable of scoring a major upset against Utah and kind of opening things up in the Pac-12 race and certainly it would do a, a devastating blow to any chance that Utah has of making the college football playoff because they are again they already have one loss we all know a second loss is very devastating and very difficult to come back from same case for Oregon, number seven, Oregon. They haven't lost since the opening weekend against Auburn, and now they're on the road against USC. USC has been up and down. USC has had their quarterback troubles, but USC at home, they've already taken down Utah. Why can't they take down Oregon? This Oregon team is playing pretty well. Defensively, they're pretty sound. You know, Justin Herbert uh, has... Has some up and down moments, of course. Uh, Juwan Johnson, of course, former Penn State Nittany Lion wide receiver. Now with the Ducks, he had a couple big catches last week for Oregon. But I feel like this Oregon team coming off the thrill of a last-second game-winning field goal last week against Washington State. Now they got to go on the road and play a USC team that's not intimidated. May not be intimidating, but they're not going to be intimidated. And they they have talent. They have playmakers. They have potential to score an upset here. So. I think the best case scenario here for the Pac-12 is both Utah and Oregon win. Worst case scenario may be Washington and USC. The two teams that have won the conference the last couple of years score the upset wins. Neither Washington or USC are ranked coming into this game. But each, I think, has a decent chance to pull off the upset. And it would be crucial blow to the Pac-12 to have Utah and Oregon lose this weekend. And I think that's entirely possible. 
College Game Day is going to be making their first trip to Memphis, Tennessee this weekend. They are going to be there for the big AAC matchup between the Memphis Tigers and SMU. Memphis has just one loss this year. SMU is still undefeated. And SMU, it looks like they are in the driver's seat for that New Year's Six bowl spot. Memphis can have a lot to say about that, though, because Memphis, uh, as we all know, you have to win your conference championship in order to qualify for that group of five spot. So this game right here is a big division showdown. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily overlook Navy, but it's probably going to come down to Memphis and SMU in that AAC West division. And this is a huge game because Memphis has been in the conference championship the last couple of years. Uh, They've come up just short because they ran into a team called UCF, who's had an unbelievable run the last couple of seasons. Uh, but I feel like this Memphis team is very dangerous at home. If SMU is going to lose a game, this is probably going to be it. SMU has been doing a lot of good things here. Shane Bouchelle has been having a, a really fun season. You know, Sonny Dykes, uh, I wrote him off a little bit when they first made that hire, but I feel like he's doing some good things. And I feel like he's showing his potential uh, and his offensive mindness to really kind of strive to get SMU back to where they feel like they are potentially capable of being on a regular basis. We'll see if this has a sustaining last ability for SMU. But for right now, it's been a fun season for the Mustangs. I don't. I think that they come up short here. I really do like Memphis at home. If this game were being played in Dallas, I really like SMU's chances. I, I'm not saying SMU uh, gets run out of this game, though. I think this goes just down to the wire. And I think Memphis just finds a way to win a couple of plays, have their go with, have a couple of plays go their way at the end of the game. And I think Memphis scores the upset, and that's going to reopen the door for that whole group of five conversation. And maybe that puts Appalachian State in the driver's seat. You just never know. But that is a big game on the group of five radar just ahead of the first batch of the playoff rankings when we really start to see how this is all going to play out. So it's not a huge weekend for the top 25 or the Big Ten, but that's what I'm going to be watching. Of course, I'll be watching everything else too, but those are the those are the highlights of this upcoming weekend of college football. Some good stuff to keep us busy, but it's, it's a pretty down weekend as we get into November. That's when things are really going to start getting fun. Of course, in a couple of weeks, we've got some really good matchups to look forward to. Of course, Penn State will be playing Minnesota. We also got LSU Alabama at that point, so... We got to get through this weekend first. It's a good time to kind of eat up some of that Halloween candy that's been sitting in our in our cabinets for the last couple of days by the time these games come around. And it's going to be fun regardless. And so if it's also a good weekend to maybe get some stuff done around the house. I don't know. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We do these shows every day, Monday through Friday. We try to post them around midnight Eastern, so they're there available for you all day long. And if you want to make sure you never miss an episode, please consider subscribing in your favorite podcasting app, whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it, you can subscribe to it. We also have the RSS feed, but that helps you out as well. And if you want to help support the show and help us grow a little bit, you can leave a rating and a review on any of those podcasting platforms that have them. And it does help with the placement of this podcast in those various directories. And we also just appreciate the feedback, whether it's positive or negative. We want to hear what you guys have to say about the show moving forward so we can adapt it and make it something that you guys want to come back to and share with some of your friends and family as well. And if you want to share it with your friends and family, head on over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash LockedOnNittany and share these updates and these posts with your friends and family on your timeline. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNittany at any time of day. And we do have some fun with this during Saturdays when the games are going on as well. We'll see what we can do this weekend with Penn State off, but we will 
be active on there as well. In closing, I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. I'm a contributor to AthlonSports.com and NBCSports.com's College Football Talk. So if you need a college football fix, odds are I've got something there for you to read as well. So come back tomorrow's episode. We'll continue with some of our in-season rewind. We'll recap some of the games that we saw earlier in the season that we never got a chance to talk about on the relaunch of this podcast. So we've got a couple games still on the agenda there, including Pat Narduzzi's decision to kick a field goal. Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit in tomorrow's episode as well because that's always fun to talk about. Thanks for listening, guys. Happy Halloween. Be safe out there. Make sure you check that candy and save a couple Reese's Peanut Butter Cups for me, all right? I'll talk to you tomorrow.